If you're happy again to be in church, come on, put those hands together for the Lord. Amen. Last Sunday, a life that brings glory to God. On this slide. Okay, the pastor was talking about the life that brings glory to God. And he particularly mentioned that we've had enough of self-centeredness. And I wish you'd make a switch to Christ-centeredness. We have spent so much, especially the people of our age, talking about ourselves, a life that brings glory to God. And may the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified and become more glorious through you and in you, according to Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 12. You will discover that there's been a switch just like Pastor is saying, we should switch from, self, from self-centeredness to Christ-centeredness. Now, you see that the world has switched us to focus less on Christ and to more focus more on ourselves. I'll tell you. What does social media do for you? What do you do in social media? Have you realized that most of the things we do on social media is to promote ourselves? How many of you are on TikTok? Uh, this church is very holy. There's nobody here on TikTok. <laughs> uh, there's nobody in church that is on TikTok. I, I'm, I, I like this church. <laughs> nobody here is on TikTok. Oh, my God. So what are these things I see on, on our WhatsApp status? It, it's not TikTok videos. <laughs> All right, I want to believe that there's nothing wrong with TikTok. Don't get me wrong. Or Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is. But I discovered that especially young people, old people, what we do most of these times is that there's always something that is trending. Have you realized there's something trending? And then we want to always show ourselves. And you show yourself making videos of what is trending. You, if it is a dance that is trending, I, there's one particular dance now. You, you know the dance? That one that you do like this. <laughs> what is it called? Bugao. Aha! Lilia knows that one very well. <laughs> Uh, something, something, go, lo, 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 and then you what? You booga. <laughs> I honestly don't know what it means. You know, uh, what does it mean? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> I don't know what it means. But you see, everybody is going booga. You know, I asked my wife one day. I, I'm not on TikTok, so I don't know. I don't know what people do there. So I asked my wife, what, what exactly do people do? Because I, I discovered, you know, people spend so much time on TikTok. So I said, what exactly do people do there? What do people do there? So I discovered that we've spent so much time trying to show ourselves. I remember Facebook. When Facebook was, Facebook is not trending now, right? When Facebook was trending, see what God has done. You know, you buy a new pair of suits. You just dress the suit. Oh my God. And you just put it up there and say, oh my, come and see this suit. Somebody asks you, you say, it's a $1,000 suit. God is faithful. And you had the privilege of entering aeroplane. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. And then 
we are promoting self. We want to show off something. We want to show off something. We want to do something so that people will see. And it became so bad that people began to make make-believe lives just to show off. Just to show off. There was somebody, I, 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 you know, I have his contact on my phone and, you know, I, I see his WhatsApp status. Then I got so confused. I said, baby, I was talking to my wife, I can almost swear that I'm earning three, four times more than this guy. I don't know how he's able to afford all these things. <laughs> I can't afford them. <laughs> I can't. How is he able to afford these things? And people just want to show off. People want to promote self. I'm not here to criticize, you know, you're on TikTok, you're on, you know, Facebook, Instagram. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even though I uninstalled some of them from my phone because I, I actually didn't know what I was doing with them. So, but <laughs> I, 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 it's okay to have these things, but we are going to see what we can do why we are here, what we are supposed to do. On Sunday, we looked at the life that brings glory to God. In everything that you do, you ask yourself one question. This life I am living, does it bring glory to God? God spent a lot of time trying to clothe Aaron. Remember, Aaron was a priest. And the clothing was so sophisticated, was so elaborate, and there was a specific instruction. It was for beauty and for glory. So when Aaron is coming there, he's looking beautiful. But the end game is to give glory to God. Today, we're going to be looking at a subject. Can you help me with that slide for today? The selfless life. The selfless life. And he says, nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have given up everything else. And count it all as garbage. All I want is Christ. I'd like us to read that text in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 verse 4. Multimedia, can you help me with Philippians chapter 3 verse 4? Contemporary English version. We're going to be reading from verse 4 to 9. Okay, let's read from verse 3, uh, the B part of verse 3. The B part of verse 3. Okay, if you're not there, I can read it. It says, We don't brag about what we have, although I could. Others may brag about themselves, but I have more reasons to brag than anyone else. I was circumcised when I was 8 years old. 
and I am from the nation of Israel and the tribe of Benjamin. I am a true Hebrew. As a Pharisee, I strictly obeyed the law of Moses. And I was so worthless. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have given up everything else and count it all as garbage. All I want is Christ and to know that I belong to him. I could not make myself acceptable to God by the law of Moses, but God accepted me simply because of to do the things that he was doing. People thought that this guy is just frustrated in life. He didn't see what to do. You know, some of, so many of you think that uh, you know, I feel more comfortable speaking when the senior pastor is not here, especially when I want to use him as an example. But I'm going, to go, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, many of us know his background. He went to some of the best schools in the world, practically the best school in the world. Had a couple of degrees. Worked in prestigious companies, oil and gas, maritime. Did all that. So how do you say somebody like that? He's looking for more money and he became a pastor. You, you want to try? <laughs> you think there's money in this job, right? Some of us think there's money in this job. You see pastor and then you say, oh my God, this man has a lot of money. And you think there's a lot of money in this job. You know, when I newly became a pastor, I kept looking at pastor every day and I was wondering, oh my God. So I met Pastor Tefia. And uh, he's also here. I told him, how does pastor do this? Just look at his shoes. Look at his clothes. I mean, <laughs> there's no rumple on the clothes. How? Pastor Tevia said it's the same problem he had, though. That uh, Pastor Conrad encouraged him that if pastor is the standard for perfection, we'll never get there. <laughs> so, so I encouraged myself. I said, I'm not going to reach. There's no need to struggle. We are striving to get there, but... But that's by the way. But some of us think that there's something that we gain from doing this. There's something that he gains. And you cannot imagine the amount of sacrifice that was made to answer the call of being a pastor. We can't imagine. I want to give a little story about my background. Wives, officially, official wives, not, not, um, you know, officially married thirty-nine wives. I'm not talking about his concubines. I'm saying official wives, thirty-nine. When you come to our palace, I'm just telling you so you respect me as a king. <laughs> <laughs> your wife has their own house inside the compound so you count all the houses of the wives official wives 39 inside so can you imagine the size of our compound <laughs> can you imagine these were the official wives so my my dad is from one of the official wives and my dad's mom was also from a kingly family so you see that i'm i'm, I'm a king King, you see where I'm coming from. And then he had multiples of concubines we cannot count. And each of them had children for him. 
So as he was marrying, his children were growing up and marrying. Having children, he was still marrying and having children. So my cousin... So you see where I'm coming from. And then, yes, I didn't go to some of the best schools here in Nigeria, but I began to do some great things. I went to the University of Cumbria to do my MBA. And I went to um, National Retail Federation Foundation in Washington, D.C., in the U.S., to do retail management. I became practically the first Nigerian to have that professional certification, probably the first Nigerian to have it. So I'm a professional in my field. When I mean professional, I am a professional in my field. I'm going to boast like Paul. So you just permit me. I'll tell you that sometimes the church doesn't allow you to know who you are dealing with. In my industry, there's nobody in my industry that doesn't know who I am. Nobody. Across the world, I'm not talking of in Nigeria. When they are coming to Nigeria, the first point of call is that we're going to see this Collins. I'm not talking of in Nigeria. As long as they are stepping foot into Nigeria, there's a young man in Collins we need to go and see. It doesn't matter who they are, including the group, group managing director of MTN, including the head of Samsung, including the head of... It doesn't matter. We'll go and see this guy. What did the Bible describe all that? Garbage. Garbage. You have all that. You don't have Christ. You have all that. And your aim and your goal is not to promote the work of Jesus. It's garbage. You have all that qualification. You have all that preeminence. You have all that recognition. And you do nothing for the sake of the gospel. And I ask you, what do you think all those things are for? So that you buga? What do you think? We achieve certain things and the question is, why? Is it so that you make a name for yourself or you make a name for the Lord? There is no one that knows me that does not know where I stand. I've told you before. We'll go out for dinner. You know, when I'm there, you can't be drinking this kind of thing. It doesn't matter whether I'm the youngest or the oldest. So. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What is the essence if they do not know where you stand? I, made, I met a, a young man. Well, not very young. He's the CEO of Azam Mansad. Some of you in the insurance health, like um, Hygia, you know, all those kind of, you know, Azam Ansat is a multinational. He's the CEO. He happens to be a Christian. 
And I've known him for more than 10 years when he was newly appointed. And he's still the CEO. They, they just wouldn't let him go. His name is Tope Adeni. You can Google him. You know, he, he told me something. He said he has a seven-bedroom house. And I said, what are you doing with a seven-bedroom house? He said, I have 22 people living with me. 22 people. I said, what are they doing there? He's a promoter of discipleship. He said, because enough of these things that we come to the pulpit and preach and talk every time, people need to see how we live our lives. And know whether what we say on the pulpit is how we live our lives. They will see me and my wife every day. The day we fight, they will see. The way they will quarrel. They will see how I talk to my wife, how my wife talks. They will see all these things and know if what we preach on the pulpit is how we live our life. Many of us are fantastic speakers, fantastic preachers. But the question life has become so comfortable. Look at, I mean, just look at Bible studies. Some people just wouldn't come because I'm tired. I'm going to pause and ask a question. What do we want out of life? I mean, many of us, at the beginning of the year, we write goals, right? We write goals, we write uh, New Year resolutions. Many of us have five-year goals, 10-year goals. I want to hear from us. Some of us are young. We already have aspirations. When I was young, I wanted to be an astronaut. You know how you watch a lot of cartoons, and just imagine in your head, you want to be an astronaut. So I wanted to be an astronaut. And I discovered that there was nothing like that in Nigeria. You know, when realization comes, you begin to see Nigeria, you know nothing like that. And the closest thing was to be an aeronautic pilot. So they told me there was only one school at the time in Zaria, University of Zaria, that was in aeronautic engineering. So I was imagining that, hey, that's the school I'm going to go. I'm going to be closer to my dream. And then, you know the language we use, life happens. And then I, I, you know, if there's anybody that, that jump recognized very well. <laughs> you know, when you are writing jump, they recognize you. When you put your name, when you type C, they'll just fill it up for you. Call it source. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that's how they recognize me. I, I eventually didn't enter school. With Jambo, after three attempts, you can imagine. I had to go through pre-science. I don't know if you've heard of pre-science. I had to go through pre-science. Anyway, that's just, let me not tell you that, so that you not think that. Uh, <laughs> I still came out one of the best in my department, too, so don't, don't, don't think that no, there's nothing there. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I did a project. Um, it's called an, an orange peeling device. So it will peel an orange in six seconds. Device that peels an orange, six seconds. You know, that's by the way. So tell me, what, what is the thing that you, what do you want out of life? What is your, what is it that you want in life? Can, let's hear us talk so that we can bring it together. Anyone wants to share with us? Everybody, of course, wants something. But I'd like to hear us share what we want. Is there any hand? Okay, Uyi. You are raising your hand. A heart. Give the mic to Uyi. <laughs> Is there anybody else? Okay, right. 
Put your hands together for Bright. Bright always encourages us. He always has something to say. Well, I think that um, what I want out of life, keep, it just keeps on changing every day. <laughs> and so, it's for now, you know, I don't know, but every day I make that in my profession, in my music, what I do, I want to be different. I just want to be different. I don't want to be driven by the, uh, by the wind. I don't want to, um, I want to live a life that will glorify God. Yeah, but I see that I struggle with that every time. You know, so saying, for me to categorize, tell you this is what I want out of life. It just keeps changing all the time. And the only thing that keeps me uh, back to track is a platform like this. You know, because without that, every day is a chase. You know, you're just chasing and chasing and chasing. It's happening here. You click. It's happening here. You click. It's happening here. You click. So, but it is only in the house of God we can get back our life to, tra to track. Put your hands together for him. Anybody else? Anybody? <laughs> okay. Um, you know how you... You just finished writing your SSE. You want to gain admission into university. There's nothing else matters to you apart from that admission. You get that admission, and then you, you come out from the university. First thing on the back of your mind is to get a job. You get a job, you have another desire to probably get married, tie the knot. You want to get married. Nothing else matters. You seems like you are very unfulfilled because, just because you are not married. And then you go into depression because... You haven't found anybody that says something to you. It happens to both male and female. And then you get married. And then the big one comes. Now you need to have children. You're just three months in your marriage. You're already panicking. You're panicking. You're reading books. You're checking ovulation cycle. You're doing all that. And then your mother in the village begins to see, have dreams. And begin to share those dreams because you don't have any child. And then you have children. And then you start worrying about how to bring them up, how they will gain admission, how they will... And then the desire of life is endless. Desire of life is endless. I'd like us to read James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 13. Come now. No. Um, okay, it's okay. Come now. You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. I'd like us to read Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And verse 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 14. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And indeed, 
All is vanity and gasping for the wind. I'd like you to use um, the contemporary English version for that Ecclesiastes. CEV. Multimedia, contemporary English version. Okay. I have seen it all, and everything just is just as senseless as chasing the wind. And you know who is saying this? The man that practically has everything. Solomon. That practically has everything. In life, you discover that we keep wanting more. There was a one-time richest man in the world, and they asked him, how do you feel about being the richest man in the world? And he said, just a little bit more, and I'll be okay. Okay, so he was going from England to the U.S. on the Titanic, the first time the Titanic sailed. And he was doing his best to preach to people about the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he had his little daughter and his daughters and his niece on the boat. When the boat started to sink, he put them on the lifeboat. Of course, on that ship, he gave somebody his life jacket and told the person to give his life to Christ. Now, if he didn't give his life to Christ, he probably needs the life jacket more than he does. And then he was shouting on the boat, please, women and children and the unsaved, go to the lifeboats. Women, children, and unsaved. Because he felt that those that were not saved did not deserve to die because they will not go to heaven. Everything about him, nothing mattered here on earth. It was just the kingdom. Now, how should we live our lives here on earth? How should we live our lives? What should we be doing? I'd like us to read Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a born servant of Jesus, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of Christ. Now, Paul described himself as a born servant. What is a born servant? A born servant is a slave. In the Old Testament, they use the word born servant because a born servant is someone who he was a servant and then he was supposed to be free. And he chose by his own reward after their work. They get wages for their work. But a born servant, a slave, has no reward. So he's not working because of the reward he wants to get. He's working because that is what he was born to do. So what they do in the Old Testament is, when you have chosen to be a born servant, they take you and pierce your ear against the door. And they use a nail and hit some kind of sharp wood into your ear. So you have that thing as a sign of bond servant, of being a bond servant. So when everybody sees you, they know automatically that you're a bond servant. So how should we live our lives? We should live our life. You know, we, we have been speaking so much about what God will do in our lives, what God can do in our lives. And it's a good way to live because you know that the God you serve will definitely reward you. Definitely. When I was leaving campus, I told myself 
that I will never suffer in life. It doesn't matter what I do. Even if I choose to be a sweeper or a mechanic, it, it just does not matter what I choose to do because I know that God is going to take care of me because of the work that I did on campus, because of everything I did for Christ. So I had that preconceived notion. While I was working for God, I knew he would reward me. That is a good way to live. However, however, how we should live is to live in such a way as whether he rewards us or not, we don't have a choice. We don't have a choice. We try to make Christianity attractive in such a way because we want unbelievers to see that we are blessed and that God will also bless them. So when we live our lives and preach the gospel, the unbeliever is seen that your life is transformed and that your life is blessed. And then he comes with the preconceived notion of knowing that God is going to bless him and transform his life. And that's how he becomes a Christian. Jesus said that the yoke you are carrying is heavy. But he said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. And, and he, something touched me when he said that. He said, my yoke is easy. He didn't say, just come to me, I will remove the yoke. He said, take my own yoke. Does that mean you are under a yoke or not? We are still under a yoke. Christianity is not a life without yoke. It's not a life without burden. We are carrying a burden, but it's the burden of Christ. When you begin to live that life as a Christian, you get used to it does no longer appear as a burden. Some of us, the church is not a burden to us. We, you know, Creflo Dollar said something recently. How many of you listened to the Creflo Dollar video? You saw it. You know how we've been looking for an excuse to stop paying tight? And lo and behold, the man... Forgive me for, for saying this here. The man that could come and tell you that there's no need to pay tithe is the man that has, has a number of private jets, a number of Rolls Royce, and has absolutely nothing to do with money anymore. And he comes to tell you that I made a mistake. And I appreciate the fact that he made a mistake. That he said he made a mistake. I appreciate that fact. And I'm not going to be here to come and struggle and begin to tell us that uh, he, he was right or he was wrong or pain tight is wrong or right. But my pain is that I see Christians happy. Happy that one burden of tight has been removed from them. <laughs> one burden of giving. Why we should be looking for every opportunity to give? Why we should be looking for every opportunity to give? Whatever it is that is called giving, no problem. We are happy. Do you think the number of people here can pay for this facility right now as we are having Bible study? Do you think the number of people you... Do you want to come upstairs and see how much offering we gather on a Wednesday? And you ask me if it's enough to power the generator that we used to have this Wednesday service. Do you have any idea 
what it costs to power, power this place. In my office now, we don't, we don't pull light. In, usually 7 a.m., the light, the den is on. We put the gen till 8 p.m. in my office. Now, I will enter my office and be sweating. And I don't mind, I'm not angry sweating though. I'll tell them, wait, wait, wait. 11 o'clock, you can start the gen. 11 o'clock. 5 o'clock, if I hear the gen on, I'm angry. 5 p.m., make sure the gen is off. I'm sure you've noticed now that banks are closing early. Have you noticed? Banks. With all the money you think they make, they close early. Temi works in the bank. You understand? Everybody is looking for alternative source of power now. Even the alternative source of power, you still, <laughs> it's a problem. And then you see an opportunity to give and you are angry that you've been deceived all these years. I'm not in support of some coercive ways that, you know, some men of God use in collecting money from people. But I'm honestly not bothered about that. And I keep saying, I'm not bothered about those things. I'm bothered about our relationship with God and what God thinks about us. How we do not realize that our life is not our own. There's a man, his name is Zach Taniformum. He's the founder of Christian. He studied, he had his daughter all over the place. And all the things he had acquired didn't mean anything to him. He kept on giving everything in her to the point that before he died, he had, was already given 92.5% of his income back to the church. 92.5% of his income. And was training his wife and his family to manage the 7.5% left. Of course, it didn't start like that. It's something he grew into. Okay, but we must understand that our life is not our own and that everything that we achieve is and of most necessity be for the kingdom. Must be for the life that gives God glory. So we must not only live as sons and as children. We should graduate and begin to live as born servants of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like us to read 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one another, one against the other, sorry, seven. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you have not received it? Verse 8. You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. Verse 9. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death, 
For we have been made a spectacle to both the world, to the world, both to angels and men. Verse 10. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are, de- you are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To, to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we are poorly clothed and are beaten and homeless. Verse 12. And we labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we blessed, we being persecuted, we endure. And verse 13. Being defamed, we entreat. We have been made as the filth of the world and the offscoring of all things until now. Contemporary English version says that we have become the scum of the earth. I would like us to begin to reposition our lives. And begin to ask ourselves, how do we live our daily lives? We need to begin to live our lives as apostles. As apostles, as people who have assignment. People who have a calling. Many of us may have read the book, The Purpose Driven Life, or The Purpose Driven Church. That we cannot afford to live this life without even having a purpose. Now, sometimes when we talk about having a purpose, we ask ourselves, how do we know a purpose? And then some people define purpose as something that has to do with spirituality, something that has to do with church, or, you know, so much about ourselves. And then when you look at Nigeria today, one of the problems we have, you know, we woke up and discovered that APC has chosen... the presidential candidate has chosen a running mate and it became a Muslim Muslim ticket thing. And then the pastor had been over and over saying how the church must stand against it. Khan has put out a statement that they were completely against the Christian, the Muslim Muslim ticket thing. And the funny thing is that these people went ahead and picked a Muslim running mate. I kept asking myself, Christians don't matter to them. We don't matter. It's like rubbing it on our face. And I, and I couldn't but ask myself, how did we get here? The church has not done enough to be able to make a statement. Christian Association of Nigeria, the statement they made did not mean anything to these people. And they rubbed it on our faces. We are picking a Muslim. What are you going to do about it? And I, and I, I, I was asking, they don't, is it that they don't even care about winning? They don't care that they are going to lose the Christian votes? And then I reminded myself, when the senior pastor asked in church, how many of you have your voter's card? Lo and behold, how many of us? How many of us? We are no longer seeing the responsibility we have to Nigeria as a responsibility. All we care about is ourselves. You are able to feed 
You go to work, you feed yourself, you're okay, and nothing else matters to you. Nothing else matters. Even civic responsibility. I met somebody one time, and his car documents had expired, and he was still driving the car. And he's a highly placed person in church. And I asked him, why, you, why won't you just renew your papers? Why won't you renew your papers? It, it does not matter. He'll just put media on his sticker so that no police person will stop him. He'll put media sticker on the windshield. And this is how we live our lives daily. Because everything about Nigeria, Nigeria is already dead. The little thing that we can do to make Nigeria better in your place of primary assignment, we don't even do it. We don't even do it. And that's why the Christianity didn't, doesn't matter with the number of millions of Christians. And do you know we go to some churches today and nobody, they don't dare say anything about politics. Nobody says anything about politics. Nobody says everything about Nigeria. Let's just be praying to God to change our lives, to do this, to do this. And we just, as if we are oblivious of our surrounding. And I thank God for Grace Assembly because everything that is happening around us, we talk about it. And we sensitize people about what we do, about your country, about everything around us. I'd like us to make a decision today. Let's read John chapter 4, verse 35. John chapter 4, verse 35. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Sorry, 34. Sorry, 34. She has had several husbands before then. And then she went into the village and began to tell people. He said, come and see the man that told me everything I am. Then the disciples figured that he was very hungry. And then they asked him, won't you get something to eat? He said, I have a particular food. And my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And I would like to ask us, what is our daily food? I have one question at the back of our mind. On my mind, and I want to ask, I want to share with you. How many cars do you think someone should have? A family, man, woman, children. I'd like to hear from us and tell me why you think that particular number should be there. How many cars do you think somebody should have? Anybody? Are we thinking? Some of us don't have one car. I'm just saying, it doesn't matter. Let's standards. You are okay. You, are, you have money to buy the number of cars you want. How many cars do you think a family should have? Husband's car, you know, has fault and he has to go back to that last one in the house. That's just like an urgent vehicle. Put your hands together for her. Does anybody have any other ulterior, uh, alternative answer to that? You want to talk? <laughs> you want to talk? <laughs> okay. Anybody? Why are we not saying anything? How many cars do you think someone should have? 
don't know why. There's no wrong answer, right? So I just want to know how many you think. Should I call names? How many you think? Uji, do you want to suggest? Okay, three. What do you think the three should be for? Okay, um, the, like, like you said, three is enough, as in one for the man, one for the woman, and spare car, maybe the children can drive another, another or something, but so that you don't end up being structured sometimes. You know, cars can develop mechanical force at any time. Put your hands together for him. Okay, so if you have a lot of money, you have so much money, right? And you have one car for yourself, then you have another one for yourself. Maybe you are the type that drives one to work every day, and it's three. Okay? But I think it's okay to have four. Right? Is it okay to have four? <laughs> Is it okay to have four? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we don't know what to do. Okay, you want to say something? All right. Yeah, I think the number of cars... I think the number of cars will uh, come as it becomes expedient for you. And sometimes, if you feel like the way other people put it, you feel that, yeah, you should have one, I should have one. What if <laughs> there is not enough resources to actually, you know, to acquire? It's usually sometimes, should I say easy? But, so, I think the cars should come according to how as they become necessary, and also, since also that, I don't have to be paying money for your own car. So if you're going to use a car... <laughs> Who are you talking to, your wife? Well, whoever uses it. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to, so there should be a way that the cars should be able to, uh, 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 what do you call it, serve, provide for themselves. But if there's no such uh, privilege or kind of availability of fund, I think one car, depending, so the car should come as the needs are. Thank you. Put your hands together for him. Okay. The, why I am saying this is that sometimes the things that we get for ourselves are not necessary. At every point in time, when I discover I have more than two cars, I give one away. Okay. Somebody else needs it. Because honestly, in my life right now, I don't need more than two cars. I mean, you know, you grow, right? I used to live in a two-bedroom flat for a very long time because I did not think that I needed more than a two-bedroom flat. And then the two-bedroom flat became very uncomfortable, especially the environment where I was staying. And I told myself that I have to live there. I moved to a much bigger house. So I grew into it. Right? Sometimes we do not get to a particular level in life and we begin to tell me why a 23-year-old boy will have seven cars. I, 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 I'm finding it very difficult to understand how a 23-year-old boy will have seven cars. Seven. His own. Not married. Is it one for each day of the week? <laughs> I, I think, I think um, the message is clear I think the pertinent thing is let, I, I'm sure I can speak for most people here that we've heard the message you want to live a Christ-centered life 
And we admit that some areas of our lives is self-centered. Am I right? I think the problem is winning that battle of becoming Christ-centered when the natural thing is to be self-centered. The natural man is selfish. Have you seen children? When children want something, do they care about what you think? They will cry, they will do this and so on. It's natural. So let's not make anybody feel bad. As long as you have your flesh, that is self. And the flesh is strong. So you hear the message, you decide. I think the conflict is not about not accepting the message. How do I become more Christ-centered? Who agrees with me here? How many of us agree that there is a problem between what I want to do and what I am doing? Hello? So, the people that come for midweek service generally are serious Christians. Okay, let me ask the question here. These are the serious Christians. You like everything about God. That's why you're here. Do you still not have a problem between what you know to do to be Christ-centered and what you find yourself doing that is self-centered? So, what are the things that make it difficult to be Christ-centered? Particularly in this generation. You talked about a boy that has seven cars. And then he has classmates. They were in school together. And when they have old boys association, everybody will get up and greet that guy. And you, because you think you want to prove a point that was that, you sit down. Somebody say, you don't get up. Make your own better like this guy. So. The thing will sink. Maybe you even have one car. And they say, hey, is that a motto? That's his introduction to motto. This is motto. You hear it first time, you hear it second time, you hear it third time. Will it affect you or not? I said, will it affect you or not? You will start wanting to buy a bigger car. But when you came to the meeting, you were not thinking of a bigger car. The way they talk to you. Then you buy the car. They say, but it's only one. Your mates have three. Is it true or not? Let me ask the ladies. When you hear what guys like in a woman, whether it's right or wrong, you hear it first time, second time, third time, and you don't have a boyfriend, hello, what's going happen? You, they say that is bone straight hair. Eh? That's what guys like. Before you thought you were fine with your natural hair, one year, two years, three years, after a while, you buy. Then they come and say, they don't see. It's in the days of our mothers that they like dark ladies. Today, you must be yellow. Hello there. I said hello there. After a while, what do you do? You buy small cream. A yellow person here is smiling. <laughs> So, you want to be Christ-centered. Say, the, the beauty of an on, uh, the ornament of a beautiful spirit. In the Bible, a beautiful woman is about a beautiful spirit. Obedient, gentle, meek spirit. That's what God said is of great price before him. 
Is that what they're practicing now? Ladies, do you know what the Bible calls a beautiful woman? An ornament of a meek and gentle spirit. Gentle. That's what God says is fine. Huh? But that's not what is happening, even in church. The brothers, they want mostly some kind of lady. So you want to stay in this area, but everybody is moving in that area. What tell us how do we hold ourselves back? And sometimes you hold yourself back for a season. After a while, the thing is, is pulling you back small by small. So if you want to help us, that's what we should talk about. <laughs> we are going to help each other. Put your hands together. <laughs> Pastor Etefia works in the bank. Is he happening in the banking sector or not? They know you're a pastor. When you are in church, it's easy to be a pastor. <laughs> when you work in a bank, dog eat dog. They're talking money, lala. Small boys, they're. And his department is such that they can just press. They can one just or two. press some things, and <laughs> everything will be rearranged itself. Is there a pressure of how to make God-centered instead of being self-centered at work? Is it is it present or not? Is it small or is it big? Ah, he said it's huge. Put your hands together for the senior pastor. You know, when pastor was saying this, I'm going to read a scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Maybe I should just read it because our time is always up. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Do you know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receive the prize? Run in such a way that you obtain it. Verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Verse 25. Six. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. 27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. One answer is that we begin... To discipline our bodies. The Bible said that those that run for a particular price, they are temperate in not some things. In all things. You are running for something. You see it by you eat. You see this thing you eat. You see this thing you carry. Very okay decision. But I know that from our, my mathematics, I don't need more than 100. I'm not the one paying for it. The company will pay for it. All I need to do is just type one message, change the 100 to 150, that's all. And then they told me that we'll just give you some kind of incentive. We'll give you 750,000 naira. Uh, I said, okay, <laughs> it's okay. Unfortunately, we don't need more than 100. They said, no, we'll help you do this. No, it's okay. We'll, I mean, we'll just give you 750,000 naira. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> 
waiting. All you have to do is change the figure. The company will pay. How many people will have struggled there? Uh, tell the truth with the inside church. God, Holy Spirit fire will show 750. That, you know, sometimes you think everybody's like you. <laughs> now, if the temptation suddenly gets hold of you, what you want to know is how do you now discipline your body? Hello, how many people want to hear that? The idea will cross your mind. What you can do with the money will cross your mind. All kind of things will cross your mind. At that point in time, there is a battle. So maybe you will tell us how you remain Christ-centered. Want to know or not? You know, I went home, told my wife, do you know I just turned down 750000 for nothing? I could have just made this thing. I said, simply because I will not be able to. That's why I did not do it. Just because I could not stand the conscience of seeing, making people feel that when they put something in front of me, and that's it. And they all know there's no amount. I, I told my wife, I have defeated this money, Tino. I have completely defeated it. And honestly, it is not something that happened overnight. It is something that the Lord had been dealing with me over a long period of time. Because in my early part, part of my life, in my 30s, I was doing everything, everything to pursue money, pursue money. I was acquiring things, I was doing, I was traveling the world, I was doing all that. And then, you know what happened to Job like this? Bah! I started crashing down and lost everything. And God taught me that this thing you are chasing after is what? It's garbage. That, that experience made me know that money meant nothing. It's, it won't take God anything to bless you with abundance. It won't take him anything to just take it away from you. So let's hear Minister Bright and then we'll go to um, Bro Sam. I think for, for Christians, the only way out is to have enough uh, repertoire. And the more I listen, you know, starting from the church here, I've learned a lot from the church listening. And it just that kind of offer. You know, it's something that, that some people have bigger ones that could even change their life, you know. And the only way is to have enough uh, word of God in you. You know, and listen to people's testimonies because sometimes you read so much and you not, you don't get to see. I see testimonies, and I, I thank God, thank God about, about the church that we have this time we testify. It's very good to listen to people, not just for the beauty of it, how they went through something and they come out of it. It's it has a way of also giving you that relaxation. I don't always, uh, as much I want to aspire to become something, I just know that strongly. You know, when we go on, people say, ah, I was calm, my Facebook was hacked. What did you do? Oh, I saw one, they said they wanted to, if you click this, you're going to get so, so, I said, easily. how do you do that? So it doesn't even come to my mind at all. And I think it's not natural. It wasn't like that, but because of involvement with church, hearing people's testimony, hearing the word of God. And so that's how it's 
Thank you very much, Minister Brian. Put your hands together, bro. Sam. Yeah. Praise God. If it's not the word of God, then forget about it. I, growing up as a person, I've had a lot of um, negative offers, you know, maybe going into scam or doing you know, for my music to go around and all that. And I've been able to turn all those things down because maybe the testimony comes. How can I, knowing fully well that I did some funny things at the background, I'll now come to the altar and say, the Lord, no, no. So... If you know that whatever the word of God cannot do for you, just believe it doesn't exist. If you have that at the back of your mind, then all is well. So that's my... Thank you. Thank you, Minister Bright. Uh, I'm sorry, Minister Bright and Bro Sam, thank you so much. We've learned here from their contributions that we must, of necessity, come to church. We must also build a culture of putting the word of God in our hearts. David said that I have laid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we have the word of God constantly in our hearts, you discover that the word of God will continually suppress the flesh in us. Many of us are having difficulty in some of these things because the flesh is subduing the spirit. And the Bible says, what does, what does it, I mean, what will a man gain if he gains the whole world? and then lose his soul. And the Bible said that he that must come after me must first deny himself. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Deny himself. And the scripture used that deny himself because there are a lot of things that the world is throwing at you. You must deny yourself and take up the cross of suffering. And follow me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come, we will live by God's grace, and the Lord will give us the enablement that we'll continue to come to fellowship, receive God's word, that we might be able to live successfully as Christians in this life. In Jesus' name. I'd like us to stand up on our feet as we pray. Father, we thank you because of your grace and your mercy that continually abounds. We know how flesh continually pulls us. And Paul said that we, cont we are continually in war with the flesh. But as you built us today through your word, we ask, Lord, that you continue to renew your word in our hearts in the name of Jesus. Cause us to subdue our flesh and cause that our life will be selfless and will continue to live our life for you in Jesus' name. Blessed be your holy name, Father. In Jesus' mightless name we've prayed.